Today's Sunday sermon has been made possible by the members of Southside Christian Fellowship Church and listeners like you. Thank you so much for your continued prayerful and financial support of this ministry. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and how to get involved, or simply want to give a gift, please just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net today. Praise the Lord. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, Amen. So the only thing that Pastor Brandy and I, when we talk together, is sometimes we get so excited that one of us wants to speak while the other one's speaking. So we have to, we have to, yeah, we have to, um, hey, if you don't have a mic and I have one, hey! (laughs) No, but let me tell you something. Amen, amen. Um, Do we have a secondary mic? Okay, perfect, perfect. Well, again, listen, I'm Pastor Terrell. Uh, I launched Passion Life Church in 2013 out of my father-in-law's house. Um, Doors opened at Bethany Baptist on Highway 81. We ran our ministry there for seven years. Out of that time, we established the River Refuge. It's an outreach ministry. It's called a Community Development Corporation. So we hit the streets in McDonough near the Housing Authority, and God put favor on everything we were doing. Everything we touched, God would draw people and provide, whether it was book bags, whether it was a Christmas event, whether it was homeless care kits. We just did Matthew 25 ministry, where you do it as unto the least of these, and you love them and and spend time with them. And so we started bussing kids in uh, to Bethany Baptist from our home. Malachi Project, which you see now, and that's all over the world. It's in India, three places in India, Malawi, Africa, and Costa Rica. And, and, and those that started with Brandy and I being faithful right down the street in our home, just serving kids. One afternoon, we had about 20 kids show up. They just came out of nowhere. And, and let me interject because I got a mic now. Hallelujah. Is, there we go. You know, see? it wasn't, it was just... In our, like Pastor said, in our home, a kid, kids would come and they'd need a Band-Aid or they'd be hungry. And I always say to this day, if you come to my house, you're going to get fed and you're going to hear about Jesus. And it, it was just, it wasn't anything that, that we just said, hey, we're going to welcome all the kids. They just, we, me, and, me and Elijah, my oldest, would be outside. And the next thing you know, I'd have littles and bigs out there just loving on the kids, just talking to them. And then, I'm sorry, but it's like, do you have homework? If you've got homework, we need to get our homework done right before we start shooting the basketball or doing other stuff. So the next thing you know, I've got a table full of kids working on homework and making sure that we're handling those types of things. Amen. So so Malachi Project is from Malachi 4, 5, and 6, and it's leading the hearts of the fathers back to the children. And if this doesn't happen, the Word of God says, I will come and smite the land with a curse. And so Malachi Project is about the generational blessing not the curse. And so we started in our home many years ago when my children were very young. We started praying the Father's blessing over our children from Numbers 624 through 26. 
May the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. May his light and his countenance shine upon you. May the Lord our God be gracious unto you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace. And so now one of the amazing things about Malachi is while we're praying that over our Malachi kids here in McDonough, they're praying it over it in Malawi, Africa, in India, in Costa Rica. And this is going to go all over the world and throughout the United States, fathering a generation because there's an epidemic of fatherlessness in our communities. And so we're here to bridge the gap as the body of Christ, to be parent figures, to let them know that someone loves you, and to father a generation. See, you can't father someone unless you spend time with them. You can't father someone unless you get to know them. You can't father someone unless you invest in them. And so we have a media generation who's caught up in a phone and an iPad, and we need to say, well, you need to lay that down for a minute. I need to know what's going on in your life. We got parents giving kids phones to parent them. And we wonder why they're in rebellion. And we wonder why there's so many struggles. And we wonder why there's addiction. And we wonder why there's so much anger in our young people. But if you don't engage them, they're going to find something that will engage them. Amen. Amen. And so I just resolved that we're going to do something about it. And we started with nothing in the midst of a home. Just being faithful. And God has continued to bless us and continued to use us and continue to strengthen the story and send the story out. Here in, here, here in Atlanta area, but also New York, Chicago, all, all over, using this testimony to compel people. You know, and my question for each of us, what are we going to do about it? Right? We can talk about problems. We can point finger at problems, but what are we going to do about it, right? If life is just about me and mine, I've missed out on the gospel. I've missed out on the gospel. And if I quit when it gets hard, how, how, how really committed am I? Because I promise you there's been some hard years in this process. There's been a lot of tears. I mean, even before I came this morning, I prepared my sermon in tears. I prepared in weeping this morning. But the word of God says, if you weep in tears, come on, come on. Yes. you'll wake. If you go to bed in tears, you'll wake. You sow in tears, you'll wake. You'll reap in joy. Yes. And so, listen, if we want a generation changed, we want to see those multitudes come to the Lord, I believe we have to stand in the gap. And we have to do something about it. So we weep for a minute, then we get up and go back to work. <laughs> we get up and we fight. For the Lord and we fight for the issues and problems that we're facing to see change and transformation. And so I want to encourage as you hear our story, no matter the circumstances that we're facing or we're looking at or we're dealing with, God is bigger, God is greater and more powerful than anything you or I can face. And when we listen, when we minimize God, we increase our problems. When we exalt God, our problems decrease. I teach people all the time, we don't have problems, we have opportunities. It's what we're going to do with it. And that starts with the mindset of what we're facing. And so i got a passage I want to share with you, and then we're going to get in our testimony and get you from 18 years ago, really 20-something years ago, to today, where you see Malachi and the ministries and what God is doing. Romans 8.28 was a favorite verse given to me. And it says, And we know that all things work together for the good 
to those who love God. So your only responsibility to make everything work together for the good is to love God. And if you love God, you keep his commandments. You obey Jesus. And we know that all things. It didn't say a few things. It didn't say some things. It didn't say only the good things I've experienced. It says all things. High, low, bottom, broke. It doesn't matter. All things. All things. I want you to get it down in your spirit. Because if you'll present it to the king, he'll turn it. He'll turn pain into purpose, tragedy into trap, and a mess into a message. That's who God is, and that's what he does. All things work together for the good. you got to be thoroughly convinced, because when you're facing a trial, you got to know God's for you. And if God be for you, I said, if God be for you, I said, if God be for you, amen. God's for this next generation. Yes, he is. He is for the people. God loves broken people. He loves you. He's for you in the situation and circumstance you're in right now. And you got to know it without a shadow of a doubt that if God be for you, no one can be against you. Yes. Thank you, Lord. And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. I know that everyone comes in here this morning with different circumstances. I want to encourage you, even as we're ministering, as we're sharing, as we're telling our testimony, bring those circumstances to God. Don't stuff it anymore. Don't repress it. Some of you are still dealing with temptations that you know are ungodly. That you know the Lord wants to set you free. Some of you are still dealing with relationships and struggles that Jesus is wanting to fix those things and renew those things. But you're holding on trying to fix it yourself. I'm going to say cash it in. What I mean by that is turn it in. Turn it into the king. The only one that can make a difference. The only one that can change it. How you want to start this thing? Huh? You want me to take off first? All right. So I grew up here in Henry County. I was an athlete, four-year starter on varsity. I excelled on the wrestling mat. I ended up with a full scholarship. My coaches and most of my family didn't know I was also running drugs at a high level in this community. While on a full scholarship in college, I catch a trafficking charge, and I get a $22.15 and a half million dollar fine. I go from the college wrestling mat to the school of hard knocks. While I'm in prison, I would love to tell you that I turned my life around and I started serving Jesus. No, Jesus came and met with me in the first month I was there, but I turned my back on him. I had an open vision of Jesus Christ on the cross, and I still turned away from him. He was dealing with me. He was telling me, you're called. I have a plan for you. I love you. I will meet you right here in this prison and change your life. And I turned my back on him again. All throughout those years, God was wooing me, dealing with me. I was never meant to go to a prison, but I still got a 20 to 15 and a half million dollar fine. I did five years for trafficking cocaine. Halfway through my prison sentence, God sent a woman I had robbed at gunpoint while I was in the streets. To share the gospel with me. When this woman walked in the prison cell, there was a glory that rested on her. It wasn't the same woman I had robbed. It wasn't the same woman I left to deal with the drug. It wasn't the same woman that I left for dead. But there was a presence on her, a tangible presence, where I seen Jesus in this woman. 
She walked in and then she started to witness to me in our second visit. She looked me in the eyes and she said, you're not called to be a crime boss. Well, that might not mean anything to you, but I got a CB on my lower back that says crime boss. You're not called to be a gangster. Well, I got a G on my lower back for gangster. You're not called to do what you've been doing, but you're called to lead people God's way. You've been leading people your wrong way your whole life. Now it's time to lead them right. When she spoke those words, the presence of God sat down in that prison cell. And I hadn't cried in years because at this point in my life, I'm not serving Jesus. I'm fisting to make another drug move. I'm running a gang. I'm still selling dope in the prison, recruiting people. I'm using every means necessary. So I wasn't a good guy. He ain't waiting for you to fix everything to come. He met me in the midst of my mess. So your mess might not look like mine did, but I'm telling you, he'll walk right through your mess and meet with you and heal you and deliver you and set you free and set you on his way. See, I'd given up hope of doing right. I tried to do right. I tried to quit. I tried to turn my back on those things. On the inside, I said, this is all I'm going to do the rest of my life. See, when I was in college, I was living two lives. When I hit the chain gang, I said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not trying to do good anymore. The DA said he'll never change. The The district attorney at that time, around 2000, said this man will never change. My family is known in the community. My my grandfather had uh, um, um, influence in the community, and nobody could keep me from going to change. No money couldn't keep me, nor the influence couldn't keep me from going down the road. They'd bought me out of cases before. I had plenty of money to buy myself out, but God said, no, enough's enough. It's time to quit playing games. I got something more for you to do than what you've been doing. So that woman shares the gospel with me. I would love to tell you that first day I just repented and started serving Jesus. No, I went back to that, to, to that block where, where, where all the inmates were. I told the guys that were fisting to move, make a drug move with me, I need some time to myself. I'm not doing anything. I went and sat down in my room by myself, a five by eight, and I started to open up the word of God. Everything that woman said, I read. And I wasn't a pastor 18 years ago. I was a heathen, and I didn't know the word of God. So I said, this cannot be coincidence. God, you got to be real. I was shell-shocked to the core. I was rocked. And I, I couldn't even think. I just sat in my room. And as I read, I knew I had to make a decision. And see, that's where the church is a mess. You think you can keep showing up Sunday, Wednesday. You keep coming, but you got to make a decision. I knew I had to quit drinking because I was drinking in Changate. I knew I had to quit smoking dope. I knew I had to quit looking at pornography. I knew I had to turn my back on the gang. There was not, I knew in the depth of who I was, if I was going to go with God this time, I had to quit living the way I was living. See, I played church. That's why I kept going back. I go in, I get touched, and I go back to the world. I would compromise still. See, I thought back in the day that it was okay to sleep with a woman before marriage. 
I kept buying into those little compromises. But does not the word of God say a little leaven, leaven of the whole lump? Does it not say it's the small foxes that spoil the vine? I wouldn't deal with the compromise and shut the door. So the enemy kept coming in. And I'm telling you, if you let him in at any level of your life, he'll destroy everything you have. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But if I was responsible because I never shut the door. Look, I've heard it a lot, but it still excites me. Because you know what? When we share this thing, it ain't look at how bad we were. Look at all this stuff. It's God, do it again. Do it again for those people in, in our families that need a touch. Do it again, God, for the one that's, that people say ain't never going to change. Amen. Because God can do it again. Amen. 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 So... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think through how far to go in this story before because there's a lot of details. I'm excited, Pastor. We will have our testimony in book form first of next year. We will share that with you because to tell the whole story, there's so many supernatural times that God intervened. I do want to share this before I, I get into more. I was making a big drug move in Calhoun State Prison. We had over a pound and a half coming in through the back gate. I was the guy in charge. I had people working for me. While people were coming through with the drugs, they got caught. While these men are getting locked up, carried across the yard to catch more prison time and a sentence, God speaks to me. I'm a heathen. He says, this will never work for you. It scared me. I'm watching this. Nobody knows I'm behind it. I'm watching this unfold in front of my eyes. And God spoke. Also, this story with this testimony, I'm going to tell you another neat time God spoke to me in a moment. So, the woman I had robbed at gunpoint starts to come to the prison and minister to me. We hear from God, this is your future wife. So, the same woman I had robbed and left for dead is standing beside me. We've been married now going on 16 years. So listen, when I talk to marriage counseling, I say, hey, you can't start worse than we did. <laughs> you want to talk about trust issues? <laughs> he had me robbed. <laughs> so, <laughs> and listen, I, I'm, my, you know, my sons and daughters in the Lord, I'm like, don't go try to find your husband or wife in the chain gang. <laughs> I'm not I'm not advocating that. We got good sense. You know. <laughs> but there are times when God does extraordinary things and speaks specifically. And God spoke to Pastor Brandy and and used her in a mighty way in my life. You know, now our story has went out all over the world and we've impacted so many people, right? But it didn't start like that. It started with forgiveness. And so I'm going to ask her to just share into the her part of the story and the power of forgiveness because we would not be standing here if she didn't forgive me. And you see, it's the people that we love the most that hurt us the most. It's the people that we care deeply about. 
Your destiny is connected to the degree you forgive. There's power in forgiveness. Fathering a generation wouldn't even be a reality right now if she wouldn't have forgave me. But through her forgiveness, I met Christ. I led people to Jesus in the prison cell. I seen people healed, delivered, set free. I'm telling you, when I got saved, I got saved. I started preaching right there. Right? I, I, wasn't, I wasn't straddling the fence. I was all in. So if you'll just share as the Lord leads you. You see, I tuck, I tuck my sword under my... Because as we're talking, it's, I just I obeyed the word of God. The word of God tells us unless we forgive others when they wrong us, we will not receive the forgiveness of God. Okay? That's the word of the living God. That's a principle of the kingdom. And let me just tell you backstory. I wasn't raised in the church. I actually, I, I called myself kind of, I felt like a creaster. Christmas and Easter, get dolled up for Christmas and Easter. But I did, I had no idea who this Jesus was. I didn't know Jesus. I'd heard about him. And um, I, I heard little, little things about Jesus growing up, but I didn't know him. So let me tell you, I, I, I used drugs and drank and partied in high school, but what really sent me to the bottom of the bottom was my mama passed away my senior year of high school. And my mama was, I, I was, I was close to my mama. She was just so special to me. And when she died, I went to hell. You hear me? Anything, all those things I said, I'll never do that. I did it because the pain was unbearable. The pain of losing my mama was so unbearable. I took, I did certain drugs I said I'd never do. I did those things to try to numb this unbearable pain of the loss of my mama. And I'm telling you, when that drug deal took place with me and Terrell, I loved Terrell growing up. I've known him since sixth grade. And can I be honest with my sisters up in here? I had a crush on him since sixth grade. I, oh, I, I loved him. He was, he was a special friend to me. So after that drug deal that took place, I hated that man. You hear me? Can I talk to somebody that's been hurt by somebody they really loved and cared for? I hated him. And I wish bad things on him. But let me tell you, let's talk about Jesus. I, shortly after that drug deal, I met a man that loved Jesus. And I got into this word. That's why I tucked it up under here. I love the word of God. I love the word of God, but I got into the word. And as, as pastor said, I knew the obvious sins. I know drugs, drinking, and sex was out the window immediately. It didn't take somebody from the pulpit telling me the sins. I knew that. But can I, can I talk to somebody in here? When I read about forgiveness, that's what got me. I've never heard of such a thing. So I'm reading, unless you forgive other people when they wrong you, you won't receive the forgiveness of God. I'm like, Ugh. I mean, it took my breath. Because the man that I hated so bad for what he did to me, his face was sh yeah, just tormenting me. I fell to my knees. I said, God, I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. But your word says to do it. I need you to help me. Can you help me forgive this man that I hate? Can you help me forgive this pain? Can you help me, Lord? Well, guess what? He helped me. Hallelujah. And that's just the thing, church. We have to obey what the word says. And he lines our feelings up with, with the word. 
Nobody ever feels like forgiven. Nobody, you're never going to feel like forgiving somebody that hurt you. You're never going to feel like doing those things of God. But we obey what God says to do and let him deal with the rest. So I, I, I truly forgave the man, Terrell. And shortly after that, I heard he went to prison for trafficking drugs. And I tell you what, in the back of my mind, I thought they'll, they'll buy him out and he'll be out and that, that'll be the end of the story. But I began, I cried out for his soul. I cried out for his soul. I remember it. I remember hitting my knees. Lord, don't let him die in those prison cells. Don't let him die without an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Because the true gospel is too good to reject. It's truly when you experience Christ Jesus and the God of this word that I'm clasping under my arm, it's too good to reject. It's too good to say, no, I'm good. No, because you get a taste of it and it's sweet. Because when you've been in the world and you've tasted all the junk of the world and it, it, you know, what does the word say? The beginning of sin, like sin feels good for a season, but in the end is death. But this Jesus I'm talking about, you get a taste of him and it ain't, it, it ain't, it ain't bitter like that sin. So I, 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 I prayed for the man and I said, Lord, if he would see me, you, he would know you were real. Cause the last woman he seen was nothing, was farthest from a Christian. I mean, an off the chain woman, a worldly woman. What nothing got about me. So, but I knew if he would see me, he would know you're real. But automatically, it's like doubt came in. You'll never walk into a prison and see that man. You don't know where he is. That's too big for God, all these lies. So I said, okay, God, that's too big for you. That ain't going to happen. But if you give me his address, I promise you to write him a letter and I'll minister Christ that way. Three years later, I get the man's address and I remember my prayer to the Lord. If you give me, if you give me his address, I'll write him. So when I got that address, to that inmate I sat in my car I had a, a spiral notebook I wrote whatever Holy Ghost said to write I didn't put I didn't put any I, 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 I didn't put any cut on it but yeah so I wrote what Holy Spirit said to write and I made sure to let him know look I hated you for what you did to me but can I tell you about this loving Savior that died to set me free and wants to set you free in that prison it was a long letter and I, I, the little church I was living at, uh, little church I was living at, the little church that I was attending when I uh, wrote this letter, I shared with them. So we're all praying. We're all praying for this inmate to receive Christ. That, that what, however Lord wants to move, that he will move in that prison. So sure enough, I got a letter back from the inmate. And he, he, it was a long letter. And at the end, it says, your letter touched me in such a way. This is the longest letter I've written in years. I'm crying. I'm weeping. After I got that letter, I immediately got in touch with the prison chaplain. I told that prison chaplain everything I just told you about our story. And I said, sir, I have got to go into this prison and minister the gospel to look this man in the face and minister Christ to him. Within, I mean, it, it was so quick. We went through proper protocol and everything he had to do, but it was supernatural how fast I got in there. Yeah. And when I got to go into that prison, with my, I put my skirt on that day so I could, you know, just, just be presentable 
Bible to, to, to this inmate and I preached the gospel and I looked him in the face and I made sure to let him know, look, I forgive you. And can we talk about this Savior that wants to touch you, that wants to transform you and save you and put you on a different path? Can we talk Amen. about this Jesus? And we talked about Jesus and the ways of God. Amen. Holy Ghost, thank Amen. you, Lord. I, I get excited because it, this, this is our story. But as I said, we're believing for God to move in, the, in these unexplainable un, uh, ways. We're asking God to move for our family members and our community and our children. And the same God I'm talking about right now is, is available to touch and move in every situation that sits here in our communities and our churches. So... I have to share this because Pastor already touched on it. But when I got saved, I quit messing with men. I had I I I'd had senseless relationships in the world. But when I got saved, I, I I really was praying and believing for a pastor, for a missionary, for a man of God. So when I went into this prison and I drove home after that first visit and some stuff was happening in this heart of mine, I'm like, Lord, so <laughs> look. Oh, uh-uh. Look, he is an inmate. I'm a mighty woman of God. Something ain't right here. But I asked the Lord certain questions. Because me and him, I, lo I love my Lord. I'm talking to him. But I asked the Lord certain questions. Some, some questions is between me and him. And I'm telling you, I got, I got a letter from the inmate. And it was as if he was in my prayer closet. I about ripped that Ripped that letter up and threw it out. This can't be God. But I heard from the Lord. I heard from the Lord that this was to be my man. Amen. And I stood, I stood with him for those two and a half years while he was in the prison. Amen. Amen. And, you know, in that process, remember I said God spoke to me when I got a crew of people caught for running my drugs. She was sending me a letter and God spoke to me. Now I'm shaking this off because I'm I'm not surrendered to God. I'm not so. I, I'm just letting you know God can intervene, <laughs> right? God spoke to me about her being my future wife prior to this whole encounter, where He was dealing with my heart. I I didn't fully believe it because I'm 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 not. But I I now I know the voice of the Lord. Then I didn't know the voice of the Lord. So God kept intervening in these moments to try to draw me to him to deal with things in my life. Was, I, I'm sorry, I have to interject one thing. I feel like I forgot to tell you this. But when, I, when, I, when I, that first visit and I drove home and I told you some stuff was going on in my heart, the Lord really spoke to me, Brandy, you hated him so bad because you loved him so. Amen. And it was like, well, I, never, I never thought about it. You know, but yes. that was that was so powerful to me. And so, you know, the whole idea of forgiveness and experiencing forgiveness and receiving forgiveness and then walking in the forgiveness the Lord offered. I experienced that through Brandy forgiving me. And I was just awestruck at the reality. She should hate my guts for what I did. But through her forgiveness, I truly encountered Jesus. And so I started ministering right there in prison. And then God connected me with some older men of God who had been walking with the Lord 20, 30 years. And they started fathering me and mentoring me and helping me in the process to grow. And so it was a real godsend. I was supposed to go to Reedsville. If anybody knows anything about prison, Reedsville is a high max 
place. It's a hard place. I was supposed to go from Ware State Prison to Ware State Prison to Reedsville, but I I was moved from there to a, a little small town in called Davisboro, Georgia, Washington County. Some of you, if you're hunters, people know about um, Sandersville and they know about that area, but it's in Sandersville and Louisville. And so while I was there um, in that prison, God sent some mighty men of God who were running ministries and helping men out of addiction, helping men in prison and they started some programs there and they were mentoring and fathering guys like me and so during that time the lord gave me several visions and one of them is the vision you see on the malachi project so i was i was walking with the lord at that time around two years and i just laid on my bunk and closed my eyes and i seen uh, this beautiful heavenly scene with a hand reaching out of heaven clasping my hand and so that was when God was pulling me out of my mess and the brokenness and the pain and the trauma of my life. And I was experiencing forgiveness and experiencing mercy and love. And then later, after we started our church, God gave me the, the, a real clear picture of putting those hands over our church logo. And so now our mission, no matter where we go, in any nation we go to, we go to the worst communities in that area. And we go to bridge the gap and father a generation. I have one more passage I want to share with you. And, uh, you know, we do, if pastor, I don't know if you want to do it this way, but or we could do it at, at the mill. We'd like to give people opportunity if you have any questions, too. There's a lot to this story. We've been serving the Lord together now 18 years. Um, I helped start a ministry down in South Georgia for drug and alcohol recovery for four years, a regeneration program. I submitted there to the men of God, and I, I, I honored them. And when he released me from that ministry to start our ministry, their blessing was on us, and they released us. And so we believe in order. We believe in submitting to leadership. We believe in community. We believe walking alongside of other believers and submitting one to another that we can be lifted up in due season when we humble ourselves to the people of God and to God. Um, but the Lord called us back when I was running the ministry in South Georgia. He called us back to McDonough. And when he called us back to McDonough, I'm like, uh-uh. No. McDonald's. Anywhere but McDonald's. I'll Lord. go to California. I'll go to Africa. I'll go to I'll go wherever you want me to go, Lord. But wow, McDonough. Um, the catch to that was, you know, I, I had pulled off major armed robberies, over a quarter million in armed robberies. I was shot at at point blank range while I was in college, and gun bullets went in the door in front of my face and through the headrest. And um I should have died that night. And there was a beam in the door that was in, in the same as a cross that caught the bullets that would have hit my rib cage. Many years ago, I'm back in the same neighborhood. I used to run drugs, and I'm out there my early years, 2014, 15, before I had staff. It was just me and Brandy and the volunteers that were going with me from Bethany. And one night, I, walked, I went down into a place where people come to shoot me, and they ended up shooting their own friends. And I asked God later, these are two different occasions. I was shot at in a car one time, and I was shot at here. Will people come to shoot at me here? I said, God, why'd you save me? 
And they gave me a scripture. He says, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. And I'm like, God, I wasn't no prophet and I wasn't anointed. I was a heathen. He said, I protected you for such a time as this. And he said, I saved you and I watched over you and I protected you so you could do what you're doing today. I knew you were going to change. I knew you were going to turn around. I knew you were going to respond to me and my love. And so the Lord touched me in a radical way. And we started serving in McDonough. Long story short, we decided to come on back to McDonough. <laughs> Didn't want to. We lived in my father-in-law's house for about a year. Started our church there. And that's a miracle in itself. <laughs> if you only knew. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and God just gave us favor. So McDonough Housing Authority, where a lot of our Malachi kids come from, is the same neighborhood I used to run crack cocaine and cocaine in. So the same neighborhood that we used to destroy, the same neighborhood we were robbing a generation of their future. I see grandparents and parents that I used to sell to, that used to run with me, that knew me from the streets. And here's, here's what they say. If you can change, anybody can change. <laughs> if you can change, anybody can change. And so I, we weren't playing, listen, and, and some of you have been out there in the, in the streets heavy. We weren't playing... Um, it was serious. <laughs> it, it was not a game, and I should have died in that lifestyle, and I should have went to a devil's hell, or I should have been in prison the rest of my life for the way I lived. But Jesus chose to have mercy on me, and he intervened, and he used the most unlikely candidate, <laughs> right, to the world's eyes to share the gospel with me. And he didn't save my life, and he hasn't saved your life for you to sit on the sidelines. If you've ever played sports, it's no fun on the sidelines, right? Well, this, this thing God has called us to in his kingdom, you got to engage. If you're not careful, life will become all about you and making it. It'll be all about you and just getting by. I'm telling you, that's not the life to live. There's more fulfillment in my life now than there's ever been. I, I, we teach four things in our church, salvation, deliverance, identity, and purpose. When you tap into God's purpose, see, the enemy comes to steal your time, to steal your talent, to steal your treasure. All those are connected to your destiny and purpose. And when he's stealing, see, see he, 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 he's doing that to keep you distracted so you never tap into full joy and fulfillment. I'm telling you, it's fulfilling when you serve the Lord. I've done all the other stuff. I tried everything else. I've been bound up in everything you could think of. When Jesus met me in that prison cell, I had a legion of demons he cast out of me. I had a vision of me looking in the mirror as a demoniac. The man in the Gadarenes. But Jesus walked in and he said, go. And the spirits left me. This Jesus will deliver you. He will heal you. But you got to surrender all. you got to lay your life down at the altar. You can't keep holding back and, and play in church. See, when you surrender all, there's an, God activates you. There's movement. There's no way you can sit on the sidelines. When he calls you into the, this game of life in the kingdom of God, there's no way you can play church anymore. When you get touched like this, you got to go and tell somebody. My spiritual mother who mentored me from 92 to 100, she said she had go ye in her. That means I'm going to go and tell somebody about Jesus everywhere I go. On vacation, we tell them about Jesus. When I'm in the worst neighborhoods, I tell them about Jesus. When I'm sitting before politicians, whomever, right? 
and we get honored to do all that, I'm going to tell them about Jesus because he's the one that saved me. He's the one that delivered me. He's the one that used a woman I had left for dead. I could care less about her life to come in and tell me about the goodness of God. And through that kind of forgiveness, it wrecked me and changed me forever. So I gave my life to the king. And I said, God, I will do whatever you tell me to do. I will go wherever you tell me to go. And I will obey you for the rest of my life. In my last scripture, the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, these are all scriptures God gave me in prison. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, plans of good and not of evil to give you an expected end. And Corinthians, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 2, 9, says, No eye has seen, no ears heard, nor entered into the heart of man what God has in store for those that love him. God started to download these scriptures in me. I quote scriptures all now. I learned while I was in prison. They were, they're embedded in my spirit. I would just stay on them and read them out loud and pray them out loud. And I believed even in that prison cell, God, you got something better for me. God, listen, I cried out in the isolation cell after I was stabbed in the face. Before she wrote me, right before she wrote me, I said, God, I was not made for this. You have something better for me. I didn't fully surrender, but something in me started to cry out for help. Something in me wanted more. And I think that's one of the places we get, we get in situations where there's frustration, we feel conflicted, and God is wanting to sponsor us a part that cries out for his help and assistance. God, I need your help. I need you to move in my life. I need you to direct me. I need you to show me. I need you to get me in that place you've called me to walk in. God, help. See, ain't none of us too big to come to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and say, God, I need your help. God, I need to be delivered. I need to be healed. I need to know my assignment. God, direct my paths. Touch me and change me like never before. See, this ain't a one-time touch. I keep. I was at the altar all morning. God, I need you to minister. I don't want it to be me. I need you, God. We're called Passion Life Church because I was passionate when I was in the world. Why wouldn't I be passionate for the king? Why wouldn't I be passionate for King Jesus who died for me and took my place? Why wouldn't I be passionate? Why wouldn't I tell everyone what he's done? When, you really, when he really gets a hold of you, you don't have a problem witnessing because you're more concerned about what God says than man says. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Come on. God, God took the worst of the worst, and he used them. Jeremiah, I believe it's 33, 3, says, call unto me, and I'll show you great and mighty things you know not of. He was in a prison when he called. God started to show me my future right in a prison cell. So they're now switching from you to your family or your loved one or that person you think would never change. I'm telling you, God can do it. Don't give up hope. Keep praying. Don't give up hope. Keep praying. Keep, don't get bitter. Don't get offended. Don't let it be personal. Forgive them, release them, and start to pray for them and watch God move. Because when you get out of the way, then God can move in your situation. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. You got anything? Oh, thank you, sir. 
I was thinking about that earlier, but I done got off in the water. I was on something else. Hallelujah. So God hasn't given us this story for us to keep it to ourselves. God has not given you your testimony and story for you to keep it to yourself. You ain't had, listen, I've never met anybody else that had their future wife robbed at gunpoint and then they got married. So, so I know it's a unique story. But here's the beauty of God. If you look down at your hands, none of us have the same fingerprints. You have a unique story that God wants to use. And there'll be someone that'll listen to you that won't listen to me. But you got to go and tell them. It says, what God reveals in secret, tell out loud. Shout it from the rooftops. And so as you seek God, listen, it may be as simple as I got set free from cigarettes this week. It may be as simple as I, I forgave. It may be as simple. Listen, it, it, don't make it more complex. It's the simplicity of the gospel. I receive, I, listen, I've been carrying shame and guilt over things I've done in my life, and I receive forgiveness at the altar this morning. And I want to encourage you that the God that forgave me can forgive you. Because when those things get built up in your mind, those strongholds, they get so big. Listen, you tear them down block by block by telling somebody what God's done. And so when you go out to lunch, well, we're going to eat together today. We'll tell, I like hearing stories too. But when, when you go somewhere this week, be conscious. People need to hear from you. You are the light of the world. And a city set on a hill cannot be hid. And God, listen, ain't, look, listen, you want to be extraordinary? Just do the ordinary things. Just obey God. You want to become extraordinary? Listen, what we do now, people like, I, I was preaching, and people are getting healed and delivered and going out on the power of God in India. And, and, and listen, do you know what? Me and Brandy were just faithful in our house by ourselves before we ever got a platform to travel, before we ever preached in front of a crowd, we were preaching to two people at one time. Just, I love Jesus. You want God to extend your borders? You want to be used? Be faithful where you're at. Right? Don't, don't look for a platform. Look for an altar. Don't look for a pl- Listen, we got a platform generation. That's part of the problem. Sometimes I'll be ready to just get, I ain't studying media. I ain't studying. I'm just telling you my heart. I love God and I love people. I want to see a generation change. I'm tired of seeing broken homes and divorce. I'm tired of seeing single moms. I'm tired of seeing grandmamas raising their children and great-grandmamas raising their children. I'm tired of seeing kids suffer because we ain't doing our job. I'm tired of seeing the enemy look like, listen, it's such a lie. Just look like he can just do whatever. No, it's the church. It's us that we have to stand up and we got to do our, we got to get over ourselves. I'm here to tell you that woman I had robbed over 20 years ago that met me in a prison cell. Our marriage wasn't great off the bat. We went through trial after trial. We had to suffer through some things. We had to talk about some, we had to get counseling and ministry and we had to get evil removed from us. But we stand together now unified. We stand together now in love. We stand together now. Well, listen, there, there's no boundaries in us. We talk about anything and everything. Because listen, what my children are going to know about God, the first 10, I would say the 15 years of their life, is what we represent to them. We talk about the generation being a problem. The problem is gets, gets dealt with with us. We're going to represent something to our young people.
Either we're going to represent Christ to them or we're going to represent the enemy to them. And if we're divided, a house divided cannot stand. You want to crush division, you've got to forgive. Listen, I'm telling you, even though she forgave me, we've had plenty of opportunity to get offense and bitter over the years. And we've chose to forgive. We've chose to talk. We've chose not to go to bed angry with one another. Because if you go to bed angry at somebody, you wake up with a third person in the bed. His name's Satan, Diablos, the, the, the slander that accuses the other individual to you. That's with a spouse, that's with a friend, that's with a family member, that's with a neighbor. If you go to bed offended, hurt, and angry, and you don't deal with it, you wake up with a third person in the, in the, in, with you that is going to accuse that individual. We have to make it. We chose, listen, we had some late nights, Pastor. We first got married 3, 4 in the morning. I still had to get up at 5 and go run a farm and run a ministry. But we decided we ain't going to bed till we deal with this or get as far as we can, and then we'll call and get help tomorrow. No excuses. The church is making too many excuses nowadays. And listen, our young people, the next generation, our churches need us. This is the second church I thought about it this morning that we've been invited to to partner like this this year. I want to unify around Jesus. Like, like, look, man, the, the Southside Christian Fellowship is a vehicle. Passion Life Church is a vehicle. This is about the kingdom of God. This ain't about white. This ain't black. This ain't about Latin. It's not about the name of the church. The banner is Jesus. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner. The banner is Jesus. And the more we can unify, the more impact we're going to have on our community. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you're loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.